I V M. Hi, I'm Satyajit. Hi, I'm Rajita. Welcome to Paperback by the Open Library Project. We have as our guest today Alicia Rajpal, author of Has Everything Been Done, which we deep dive into the first half of the podcast. In the second half, we also discuss The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, Just Kids by Patti Smith, The Art of Recklessness by Dean Young, and Method and Madness by Alice Laplante. Alicia discusses her experiences in Bombay and New York City, her love for writing, tools for budding writers, Smith's struggles as a young adult finding her way into the world both as a woman and a writer, and how an idea without stickiness will never tip. Let's dive in. What do we have here? He began to read the piece of paper. EXT. Exterior, sir. EXT is an abbreviation for the word exterior. I am the dean of this college, Satluj. I obviously know what EXT stands for. It seemed that the dean, in fact, did not know what the three letters stood for because he cleared his throat and started to read the sheet of paper for a second time. Exterior. A sunny day. A marketplace. A pushcart housing brightly coloured produce is manned by a street vendor. Tangerines, apples, pears and limes are stacked in pyramids. A lady interacts with the street vendor. Are these apples sweet? The vendor says. Madam, I am only the seller. But the farmer I purchased these from tended to these with great care. These should be sweet. The lady replies. No guarantee? Then how can I tell if these will be sweet or no? If they are not sweet, I am not coming back to buy fruits from you. A young boy runs up to the lady and tugs at her kurta. Mom, he says, I want to go home. The lady turns to look at the boy. The lady attempts to calm him down. The vendor says, Madam, do you think your son will grow up to be a good person? The lady turns and is visibly enraged. What? What did you just say? Vendor, Madam, if you can't guarantee that your son will grow up to be a good person after you spend your whole life raising him, then how can a farmer guarantee that the fruits he has tended to will turn out to be sweet? The dean finished reading the paper. He put the paper down and asked the peon to bring him a cup of tea. Satluj sighed and for some reason he felt a great urge to use the restroom. It is more nuanced when you see it on stage, sir. The students have poured their souls into it. Yes, we have a girl playing the role of a male fruit vendor, but she's a brilliant actor. Thank you, Alisha Rajpal. That was an excerpt from her book, Has Everything Been Done? We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Paperback by The Open Library Project. I am your co-host Satyajit, otherwise known as Onion Knight in most food circles. I am hosting this podcast with my co-founder at The Open Library Project, Racheta Sharma. Hi guys, my name is Racheta and I'm an ex-banker who gave up my banking profession to follow my passion and run libraries across the world. The Open Library Project is a non-fiction book library service offered to businesses on a subscription basis. We're trying to move away from the run-of-the-mill library concept and setting up rotational and locational curated libraries at co-working spaces, corporates and business incubators. 
The idea here is to create value, build a knowledge community and encourage a growth mindset amongst our members. Today we have with us on the show Alisha Rajpal, author of Has Everything Been Done? She is also a TEDx speaker. Welcome to the show, Alisha. Oh, thank you for speaking It's great to, to have you here. It's great to be here. And so, um, since, like, you know, you started with an excerpt before we get into the book, uh, tell us, you know, what inspired you to start writing and uh, how did you get to this book? So I've always wanted to write. Uh, since I was little, I just love to read and, and write and the two sort of move hand in hand. Uh, so it's just something that I've always wanted to do. And uh, when I grew up, I realized that I also need a career. So right. I, I figured the two should just meet. <laughs> Excellent. So tell us more about the excerpt that you read. Sure. So this is actually a story within a story. The setup of this particular story, first of all, it's titled Vegetarians Can Kill People Too. Oh, interesting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I'm a vegetarian also, so right. it's not supposed meant to be offensive in any way. But the reason that I started writing the story is that I always... Um, hear people talking about what makes people good and bad, you know, so if you don't drink or you're not promiscuous or if you're a vegetarian, it's just assumed that you're probably a good person, which really, that can't be a measure for goodness. And Those are uh, random metrics to measure goodness. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, which is why I was, uh, I wanted to write this story, which is actually about uh, a lot of things, but one of the things it's about is just freedom of expression. So it's set uh, against the background of a young boy's life and he's at the brink of becoming a man. And um, later on in the story, we also explore sexuality um, as it pertains to him. And in in this particular situation, what he has done is he's written this play and he's really trying to put it up uh, in his college. He wants to produce it. And uh, he is trying to convince his dean that you know, let me produce this play. It's a good story. It's a good story to tell. And later on in the story, the dean says to him that, you know what, even a brilliant play without an audience is just people talking to each other. So know your audience. And he thinks the play is rather controversial. For the audience that it's being presented. That is being presented to you, which is basically just this community of a college and teachers and faculty and parents. And so it's that that turmoil of, you know, trying to get his vision out there. And I don't want to give away whether the play gets produced or not, because I'd rather everybody read it. Yes, everybody should read the book. And (laughs) uh, so like you said, you know, you have to select your audience. So who would you recommend this book to? Like who should, who would be the ideal audience for this book? So the great thing about this book, in my opinion, is that it's because it's 10 different stories in one book. Each story uh, will take you to a different ecosystem and each story explores a different genre. So for that reason alone, I don't want to bucket my reader base because while writing this book, I realized that I don't know whose hands it's going to end up in. So I can't really write keeping in mind an audience. I can only write keeping in mind what I want to say. Uh, It's been very interesting since the book is been out for I think over a month now in the market and uh, there's some stories which I thought might work with younger audiences but I find that even parents or you know people of a different age group are liking it so I don't know if I can bucket my audience as such I I think it's really um, depends on personal like perspective and tastes. Yeah so I really liked uh, the way the stories are presented it really takes you out of the day you know like cuts you off gives you a break uh, and it's really short stories right so it doesn't take that long to get through them and you have these subliminal messages 
ஜெசிகா <laughs> <laughs> I've observed so the story that that you're talking about it's called the year 3000 and uh, it's the last so it's sort of the finale of the book and the story takes place um on new year's eve in the year 2999 so oh. it's like the the year 3000 is about to begin and the nice. context is that this family uh, is celebrating new year's eve or they're preparing to celebrate new year's eve and um, you know sort of the world as it looks then and more importantly india as it looks then and my biggest hope for the future is that hopefully at least by then you know our country is a safer home for women and and rape is not something that is as rampant as as it is today so just as just to pay homage to the some of the women and out of respect to not forgetting their stories right. uh, i used their names as the names of the characters of of my protagonists so some of the girls are named uh, asifa arushi jessica manjula just women that have been murdered and or raped in the last 10 years right. or so yeah. just as as a indian girl you know these these and every story of rape feels new and hurtful so i didn't want to use the story doesn't touch on their lives mm. it's still a very much a fictional story i just use their names as as you know s- small it's just like an homage you're paying to yes, you know just these, a small effort right 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 yes so tell us a little more about the book and uh, maybe a couple of more stories that yeah. you would like to touch upon or like the themes of these stories you know without going too much into detail of course uh, so the first story in the book starts in the year 2000 okay yeah. which is sort of in many ways a mirror image of the year 3000 again it's a family celebrating or preparing to celebrate new year's eve and um if you if you remember uh, in the year 2000 or just as we were all preparing for the year 2000 uh there was a major hijack that that happened and yeah. um you know of course we were a different experiencing a different reality and uh, there wasn't social media and as many right. outlets to know what was going on uh so the the story really started from there so that story sort of explores my uh, worry and my uh, fear of terrorism and start to start that kind of starts it and in that way i think each of these stories talks about just one thing It's so one story we talk about sexuality and another yeah. we talk about terrorism and one we talk about um just race identity and things like that. So just different things like I was saying earlier that uh, my response to the world as I observe it. Yeah. And uh, so each story does explore a completely different theme and the protagonists are all in different age groups and social stratas but so, very real and very relevant oh, to thank you. our times. Yeah. Thank you. I I hope so. That's it. That's my Yeah, it really does, goal. you know, uh pick up really important issues and so it's not right in your face but you know you get a sense of what you mean throughout the book so that's excellent so. yeah. that that's good to hear that makes me happy great so uh, i think we're going to move on to a few other books that may have influenced you as a writer yes. as well as uh, you know that's got you to your journey so far mm-hmm. so we'll be right back Welcome back. We still have with us Alisha Rajpal. Hi Alisha. 
So uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Tipping Point by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. I think uh, this is the first book that we wanted to discuss with you. Tell me what about this book stood out for you or uh, why you like this book? Yes. Uh, so actually I only finished reading this book a couple of days ago so it's very much fresh in my mind. Okay. So I think this was um if Wikipedia is to be believed. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. This was uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, debut book that he co-authored with uh, John Decker and I think in this book he talks about multiple things but the reason that it was fascinating or my reason for choosing it is that it's not my favorite book that he's written but just seeing that the the type of writing he was doing in his first book is right. is quite impressive and in this book he talks about something that's um really interesting and the the thing the central theme remains is stickiness right so how like trends or ideas stick yeah right and he breaks it down into who starts ideas and how these ideas spread amongst youth and then eventually other groups of people and he talks about connectors people yeah. who mm-hmm. are um not perhaps uh, excelling in any one thing themselves but they have immense people skills yeah. and these are just individuals in the community they could be professors they could be designers they could be anybody but they're just so well connected and they have such large social circles that sometimes even unintentionally they tend to spread ideas just because yeah. they're constantly interacting with so many people right. uh, and then he also talks about mavens which he says are people that are very focused in their uh, interest in something so maybe he gives an example of someone who just knows how to pick a good bar again so right. if they're going to you know buy a television they'll tell you exactly where to buy the television what date to buy it right. when the sales are good you yeah. know how yeah. you can get the best price for this product things of that nature and then he talks about how all these people connectors mavens and other influencers and the sales people and yes. sales people right. who like ultimately come together to make an idea really stick and yeah. just you know explode so he he i remember in the beginning of the book he talked about this um the rise of hush puppies again hush puppy right. shoes which yeah. sort of had like died down and they weren't as uh, cool anymore but then these kids in new york and soho started wearing them almost in an ironic fashion right. yeah. and then because they were wearing it they, the shoes kind of became cool again and then the shoes ultimately became popular again right. just because these you know um, cool kids were wearing them so yeah. it was just interesting um especially now that i have a product of my own that i'm trying to bring to audiences it was a good learning experience for me to see how i can um, connect reach with that tipping point yes reach that right, tipping point right. because unfortunately i don't think i'm a maven or a connector but i i'm will start or at least try <laughs> to be <laughs> we all start somewhere right yeah. and you eventually become whatever you become Definitely. so tell me from this book is there anything that you're applying directly when you're uh, now you like you said you do have a product which is your book yes. and are you applying anything to get more stickiness out of the book I am so in this book uh, Gladwell also talked about um the success of another book that ended up being a bestseller which is uh, the the Yaya sisterhood and right. this author that penned this book uh, I'm I apologize if I didn't get the name exactly right but um what she does is she goes to different venues and she hosted book readings and group discussions and how the yaya sisterhood turned into this book club phenomena where women granted this was also 
you know before the rise of social media so people <laughs> right, still yeah. were participating in, in book, book clubs, clubs, clubs. <laughs> much deeply uh, but this this book gave rise to this sort of book club culture amongst women so women were finding other women to read the book with talk about their experiences and yeah. almost create like a sisterhood amongst themselves with right. the book enabling that okay. so yeah. it became something more than the book which i thought was really fascinating and what i have been doing for the past month or so now is i try to find schools and colleges that will have me and i try to sit down with students and talk to them about all 10 different stories why i wrote them we'll read a few lines and i ask them to you know ask me any question it doesn't have to be about writing or reading but mm-hmm. it could even just be so if in in a story about sexuality if they have you know certain uh, questions or struggles so we just kind of open it into a forum and i find that Excellent. that's yeah. something that i've learned from the book is just to engage with people wow. that's that's, that's amazing that you're yeah. learning something and you're applying it straight away yes directly <laughs> yeah thank you so uh, was that uh, also the topic of your tedx talk or what did you speak about in your tedx talk So with TEDx you can't really push your own product or your company which is just one of their rules and that wasn't even my intention it's it's of course such a, a prestigious platform, platform and to speak yeah. I wasn't even uh, I was really humble to to be considered for it I chose to spoke about reading mm-hmm. and how reading especially in the 2010s is no longer a habit but rather an exercise yeah because right. our attention is so often stretched it happens with right. me too i mean i'm a writer this is my trade and yet i know how easy it is to just you know melt into this quicksand of the phone where you know if yeah. someone's texting you or you just watch like yeah. maggy videos on instagram <laughs> and you know the right. scrolling of videos because yes. you don't even have to scroll anymore it's on auto scroll right you know how to make three ingredient ice cream or like four <laughs> ingredient pancakes yeah. it's just it's a vortex really yeah. so yeah. it really like we need motivation to go to the gym we need motivation to read i feel right. and so that's what i chose my tedx talk to be about is that even though it is an exercise we must try to pursue it because like all exercises it does reward the mind and the body wow that's amazing yes. thank you excellent the next book we're moving on to is just kids by patty smith oh yes so what about this book is stood out for you uh so i had a very interesting experience with this book which is why i chose to talk about it here today i read it first in college and um when i i went to college to be a writer and we'd often have these workshops with uh, some of our classmates that be led by a professor and we were a group of uh, i think 10 girls or so that were in this in this particular classroom and we do these workshops and we were assigned this book to read mm. and it's a memoir actually and patty smith continues to be just a great artist and a writer even today i think she recently released m train which is i have it's on my shelf to read next and um this book in particular uh Smith talks about her life before she even came to New York City and New York City sort of her her playground and where yeah. she really found her talent and honed it in and uh, the reason I found it interesting also because I was reading it you know as a young girl figuring out what I wanted to do is that there are instances in this book I won't lie where I almost found myself being almost cynical Uh of course Patty was growing up in the 70s and 60s it was a very different, different. world mm-hmm. yeah. you know they would do things like go to second hand shops and buy fabric and art supplies and spend all day just making art and i yeah. was like who can afford to do this in new york city <laughs> you know it's crazy but you know the interesting thing about this book and why i think everyone 
that's listening should read it is that through this book you will get to meet all the sort of idols of the 20th century you can think of hmm. because in during this time while she was in New York she met Andy Warhol wow. she met William Burroughs yeah. she was you know she saw Jim Hendrix uh, sorry she saw Jim Morrison in yeah. uh, concert she made music in Jimi Hendrix's studio it's crazy like she even met yeah she met Dali it's amazing yeah like and she just like had these like casual conversations (laughs) but she was you know wearing second hand shirts that she bought from the Goodwill it's just because she was at that time in that place you know like working in Chelsea Hotel I think she lived there for some time and just to be in that art scene yeah of course her her relationship with Robert Maplethorpe who is one of the most iconic photographers um, and artists of that time also you know brought her into that space where all these amazing artists were at the time just living their lives but now that you know time has gone by and when we talk about that's when they made their great works <laughs> of art right yes that was the uh, time yeah, when it was particularly like how she's shown her own transition through the book yes you know in like different as a friend and as a partner and various aspects of her life yes. so that's very well connected and the best part about this book in my opinion is that how excellent it is at the sentence level so there's never any point where you know the words are too like you'll have to pick out a dictionary or thesaurus to be like what does this word mean there's no like flowery language Mm. but just at a sentence level she says really simple things in a very elegant way Um, there's one line where she talks about uh, coming to New York and she says no one expected me but everything awaited me Which is really sweet, you know, to think that, you know, you're just moving into this great big city and you don't know anyone, no one's expecting you to arrive, but everything's awaiting for you to discover, which is a nice, nice thought. And um, I think later on in the book, she talks about, you know, she says, if your paths cross once, they are likely to cross again, which I'm I'm paraphrasing. That isn't an exact quote, but even that, you know, at a sentence level, it's very elegantly written. And it's just a good, like I said, you know, you'll get to meet the greats through this book, which is why it's a good, good pick. Sounds yeah. like a fascinating read. I'm yeah. sure our readers will pick it up. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know what it's like to have a cup of coffee with Andy Warhol, <laughs> I mean, you should. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the next two books that we're going to talk about are more to do with writing and writing as a craft, right? Yes. So tell us, as, as a writer, what what are your reading preferences before we dive into these books? Do you prefer physical books to read on the Kindle to read online so I'm massively tech challenged uh, I'm, I'm getting better I won't say I'm challenged I'm, I'm a work in <laughs> progress in that respect I um, listen to audiobooks sometimes or like podcasts and mm-hmm. things like that but when it comes to actual actually reading I prefer paperbacks or just physical books because I like to bring them with me wherever I am uh, and I don't own a Kindle uh, right. So I don't know. I've never experienced a Kindle. Okay. Um, but yeah, just good old, good old books. Good old physical books. <laughs> yes. Great. Great. So the book we are discussing next is The Art of Recklessness by Dean Young. Yes. So tell us about this book, Alicia. So again, this book was assigned to me in college and I uh, held on to it. Uh, so in college, my friends and I, we'd often go to the bookstores and you know, sometimes uh, we'd get books new, but sometimes we would have to buy used copies of books just because uh, there were so many students and everyone were, was shopping at the same bookstore, which is fine. It really, in the end, it didn't really make a difference. Um, and this is one of those books that I bought. I wanted to buy new, but they only had a used copy left. And I, I still have it to this day. And I'm kind of glad I did because I feel like books really can be passed on from one person to other. Yeah, another. They should be. They should be, <laughs> yes. you know. Um, and so I, I have that. And in this book... It's a sort of a guide 
on how to write poetry which can be a little problematic to a lot of people because you know oftentimes when people talk about poetry they think that it's something that you know you're sitting in a garden mm-hmm. yeah. and mm-hmm. a thought comes to you and yeah. you just put pen to paper and it's all very glamorous yeah. and romantic <laughs> when in actuality it's not um when i was in college i remember writing exams and you know things like that about poetry and it was very structured and i had a professor that told me you know you can choose to abandon all the rules Mm-hmm. but you have to earn that right to right. abandon the rules you must at least know what the yeah. rules are before you you know sort of throw caution to the wind and uh, so you know grammar structure or just the flow the beat the themes of right. those like technical aspects is what this book will teach you but it teaches you that in a very fun way because even though it is uh, an instructive book there is a lot of original content in it there are other poems and um, there's a interesting anecdote in the book where the uh, author writes that you know if you want to learn how to make a lobster you're not going to read a book about poetry you're going to go read a book about recipes because yeah. that's a bit right. more like poetry is not as efficient is yeah. it's a bit more um, you know the lines are kind of blurred yeah. so um, which is an it's just an interesting book i would recommend to anybody that's interested not just in poetry writing but in writing in general because uh, you know writing isn't just something that is an art it's a craft at the end of the day writing is a craft and so there, hone your craft there are right. techniques involved right. and that's actually great yes. advice because you should know the rules before you even plan on defying them right exactly like what is the framework that you should be working in so, yes yeah. and you know like if you, you you have to know things like what is a metaphor what is alliteration like yeah. there's certain technical things which i'm not saying you need to learn it as if you're preparing for an exam but just you know learning these techniques makes the writing better yeah so it's important to to know i when i w- walked into college i was like i'm going to be a good writer because i've been writing since i was in high school and then i right. realized i know nothing right <laughs> you know the rules really yeah. do they're not rules as much as they are guidelines skills, yeah. you know like yeah. the skill set that you need to hone in right yeah makes a lot of sense yeah so mm-hmm. have you uh, is this one of the books that you go back to when you find that you're planning to write now you must be planning to write your next book i'm sure so yes. <laughs> is there any one book that you go back to uh, before college student so she would photocopy um her own book so she'd get like xerox copies of the book and distribute it to us and and she would be like you know at the end of the term if one of you goes and buys this book i know you would have done i would have done something right and you know what most of us did end up going and buying the book because it's uh 
it's something that I feel I, I refer to all the time. And the reason is that this book, aside from having a lot of great instructions and, you know, um, teaching us the techniques and things like that, there's a lot of writing exercises. And okay. as a writer, one of the questions that I get asked most freque- frequently is about writing blocks. Like, what is a writing block? Do you believe right. in writing blocks? How do you feel yeah. writing blocks? And... Um, I personally feel like writing blocks don't exist because I think of writing as a job, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I was working a regular job, which I have in the past, if I, and I just, you know, showed up and said to my boss, oh, today I'm not inspired to write this picture. (laughs) I'd be thrown out of the office, you know, it's the same with writing. You can't wait for the inspiration to write. And so this book uh, has a lot of writing exercises, uh, which um, really help you get started. Okay. Okay. So one of the writing exercises my professor would make us do, and I really use this all the time, is that um, he would say, okay, you put a timer on your phone for one minute. Grab a pen and paper and for one minute you write. Even if the fire alarm goes off, someone calls your name, you are like non-existent to the world. You write like crap, 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 10 times in a row, but Hmm. you will not, the pen will not stop moving. Okay. And sometimes at the end of that one minute, you know, it's like almost like a stream of consciousness and Mm -hmm. out of that maybe three pages of crap, you really do find that one idea that that is good. Hmm. And so like this, there are many other writing exercises in the book, which are just to help you get started because I would recommend to any anyone that's hoping to be a writer for see if you're out there let me know it mm-hmm. seems like we're a dwindling community but mm-hmm. if you're out there treat writing like a job it's yeah. it's, it's an important beautiful thing but at the end of it treat it like a job don't wait for the inspiration to come to you you know keep on you have to keep at it I think that's the key like even in one of our earlier podcasts with uh, the ED at Harvard Business School mm-hmm. we spoke about a book called how will you measure your life and it talks about treating relationships like a job so right. that you do not take them for granted. So they're like the most meaningful relationships in your life are those which you should treat like you would treat your job mm-hmm. so you can do justice to them. So, yeah, maybe this is, you know, how you should be dealing with it. Yeah. yeah. And it ties back to the, like we were speaking about one of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's other books, Outliers, mm-hmm. Outliers yeah. Yeah. in which he, he talks about the 10,000 hours oh, that yeah. you need to do right. to be a yeah. specialist in whatever it is that right. you're doing. Right. It, it kind of like, you know, these writing exercises for method and madness, it, it does tie into that. It is, it's not enough to be good at what you do. Mm-hmm. It's also important to keep practicing what right. you do. Yeah. Right. And the writing exercises really do help uh, anybody that has writing aspirations. It could be any genre. You could be a scriptwriter. You could write poetry, fiction. It, it's meant to be for fiction, but I find that those exercises can be applied to whatever genre that even if you have to write honestly a press release right or yeah. whatever that you because writing is such a part of our lives we don't even realize it regardless of your job you're probably you know whether it's writing an email or a presentation or you're whatever. doing some sort of writing you in are. your day-to-day always without fail right yeah, yeah words yeah. really are the foundation of all human experience i feel we make sense of everything with words well, that's really profound yeah <laughs> would you like to end with uh, you know one of your favorite quotes before we you know end the podcast like um, anything that really stands out for you in life or you look up to I don't know I don't think I've written that yet okay, <laughs> hopefully great. hopefully in the future so we'll have you back great. on another yes. episode once you've written that <laughs> yeah. so great thank you very much for being with us Alicia thank you it was great being here has everything been done is available on Amazon 
yes. as well as most major retailers. Yes, e-retailers, Kinder, we're all over the place, and hopefully, starting this month, at mm-hmm. the or rather this end of this month we will be in 15 bookstores across the country and hopefully that number grows wow great, great. great. and a big thank you to all our listeners you can follow the open library project on linkedin instagram and facebook for latest updates on our events and stay tuned for the next paperback podcast on ivm podcasts happy reading you can follow ivm podcasts on facebook instagram and twitter at ivm podcasts